I'm ready. Diana, how are you doing today? Oh, I could be better, but I'm really excited to be here <laughs> tonight and be able to talk to you guys. Yes, we have special guests today. Two special guests, actually. Well, kind of three in a way. Yeah, true, true. But one can't hear us. He's just hanging out. But uh, <laughs> today we have Mestri Mimil here, um, and we're really, really happy that he took the time to be with us. And um, translating, we have Pato Airi here to help uh, with all of the translation. So I'm going to start with Mestri Mimil's bio. He is a legend. If you don't know who he is, you should. He is a legend in the Samba Rega community. Um, he has been a part of Olodum for 35 years and has led the group for the last 25. He's toured the world um, with Olodum and teaches workshops all around the world. He's currently teaching up in Toronto this week, and um, which is why we were able to talk to him and we got this opportunity. Thanks, um, Marco. Thank you, Marco. Episode something. I can't remember which one. Marco. Um he received the name Mestri after the first uh, Mestri Ninginyu du Samba bestowed him with the title. Um, he has collaborated with Ziggy Marley, Jimmy Cliff, and Alpha Blondie. Aside from Olodum, he currently also leads his own group, Banda du Mestri Memil, which sounds awesome. I want to hear more about that. And um, they play original compositions that he creates. So I'm really looking forward to this interview. And we have Pato Airi, who is here to help translate. He's the leader of T.Bat2, which is based out of Toronto, Canada. It's a Sambahegi group there. Um, he's originally from Salvador mm -hmm. and um, has a big love for Bahian music. He grew up watching Ola Doom and other groups. Been leading T. Batu for five years, and prior to that, had organized a drumming network throughout Chile, where he lived for ten years. So we are eventually later this summer going to interview you because I would like to hear all about your network that you built and your current group. It sounds amazing. Um, but with all of that aside, thank you for um, suffering through our technical difficulties and for being on the show. We'd like to welcome you here. Thank you so much. It's all good. Thank you, Courtney and Diana, for make the time also and to, to make this happen, right? And also thanks to Marco to make the connection. So yes. yeah, we're, we're happy to be able to talk and, and say everything about Samba Hegg and Nessie Mail and Olodum, all the questions you guys have, right? Yeah. Great. Thank you. thank you so much. No problem. And it's important to us, we don't get access to, um, to mysteries very often. So it's important for us to get your stories down and, and, um, to just provide information about you to our community, to the English speaking community. Thank you very much. No problem. We are happy to share that. Yeah. Yeah. So for our first question, can you please, Mr. Mimil, um, tell us about what it was like growing up in Bahia. Para você dizer para elas como foi crescer na Bahia, né? Crescer em Salvador. Eu fui privilegiado por ter nascido em um país tropical. <risos> e Salvador é um clima gostoso, quente. O povo também é atencioso e acolhedor. Chegando na Bahia é recepcionado muito bem. Então eu tive a sorte de ser abençoado e ter nascido na minha Bahia querida. Uhum. He's saying that uh, he's privileged to be born in, in Bahia. Because it has a tropical weather, weather, right? So you don't 
he's happy to, to be born there. And then, you know, people from Bahia is very, when you go there, they had the, the reception is pretty good and warm. Everybody's always happy and, you know, like good vibes and all that. So he's happy to, to be living in his lovely Bahia. So can you tell us about, um, like his first encounters with drumming music there and how he got involved? Yes. Ela está perguntando como foi seu primeiro encontro com, com os tambores e como foi que você se envolveu. Bem, eu entrei no Olodum em 1984 no projeto Rumfar dos Tambores. Uhum. Né? Com a ida de Neguinho do Samba para o Olodum, ele tinha em mente um ritmo que foi conhecido depois, né? nacionalmente e internacionalmente, como Samba Rec. Então, a música entrou em mim desde esse momento, com 15 anos de idade. Né? Fui convidado, não só eu, como outra, outros adolescentes, para pôr em prática aquilo que Neguinho do Samba tinha dentro dele. Né? Uhum. Ou seja, esse ritmo maravilhoso e abençoado, e que eu ando pelo mundo traduzindo corretamente, completamente, é, como o samba reggae original. Então, ele está dizendo que ele entrou quando ele era 15 anos de idade, com a invitação do Neguinho do Samba, porque o Neguinho do Samba foi convidado a ser o mestre do Olodum, right? Porque o Neguinho do Samba era um dos mestres do Ile Aie. Ile Aie foi o primeiro bloco afro em Salvador, right? So the, he used to be the master over there, and at some point he got invited to go to Olodum. So when he was invited to Olodum, he did a project called Rufá dos Tambores. And in that project was the time that Master Mermil was involved, because he was invited by Neguinho do Samba, uh, also with a lot of, uh, a couple other people that today still playing in Olodum, was invited at the same time as him. So that's how he got involved. And you got to, to learn everything from Neguinho do Samba. And he spread the word all over the world what it is to play Samba Eggy or original, right? Not Because there's a lot of people who can say they teach it. Mm -hmm. But to know the real deal, you actually have to study a little bit and look back in history. I mean, who does it proper, right? So he makes sure when he goes around, he teaches the the original samba reggae, how, how, is, how is the real deal? Now, when he was growing up, did his fam was his family involved with music at all? Quando você cresceu na Bahia, sua, sua, tinha alguém da sua família envolvida com a música também? Não, 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 não. O único que se interessou pela música foi eu. <laughs> no, nobody ever joined anything. They never played any instrument. He was the only one who got interested and then That's how he got involved. Hmm. And did his family support that? Did they, once he did start playing, were they supportive of him playing music? Ela está perguntando se sua família te apoiava quando você começou a tocar, se apoiava que você tocasse música. Não, não, meu pai era contra porque ele sempre dizia que música era coisa de, de malandro, né? Que todo mundo <laughs> tem essa visão de que quem trabalha com música é vagabundo, é, é, né? não é respeitado como devemos ser. Eu nasci com um talento nato que nem eu mesmo sabia. Tanto é que ninguém no samba me chamava de o diamante bruto que foi lapidado. <laughs> so he said that his family didn't ever support, especially his dad was completely against it. Mm. Because uh, 
you know, when you're a musician and you do arts, it's basically the everybody look at you that you won't be able to survive and you won't be able to mm-hmm. make it or anything like that, right? So they never support him. But he said he born with his talent that he didn't even know he has it until he was invited to go play. And that was so much that he was like the guy, he was the man after Neguinho that would pick up everything so fast and, and get it done right. That Neguinho used to call him uh, a diamond in, how do you say in Bruto? Bruto? In the rough, diamond in, in the, the rough? rough. Yeah. Diamond in the rough. So that was actually polish it, you know? Mm-hmm. It was polished yeah. to, to the best. <laughs> Ah, cool. <laughs> Marcio Peter has told us about how back when he was a kid around Eliae, how there was tensions between the different groups. Was that part of the reason Niginu left or left Eliae or 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 what what was the what was happening there? Marcio Peter também falou que quando nos naqueles tempos tinha alguns entre os grupos tinha uma, uma tensão que era como se fosse meio que alguém que não gostasse de alguém é, aquele negócio é. rivalidade só que ela quer saber por que que ninguém saiu do Ilê e foi para o se foi algum problema de rivalidade alguma coisa não de... é porque Negrão Samba saiu do Ilê aí por não ter o espaço que ele precisava para poder criar criar, criar. Uhum. Ele aí até hoje é naquela batida rítmica da criação. O Negão uhum. do Samba tinha uma coisa dele que queria Faz criar, outra coisa. então poderia chocar com, com o ideal do Ele aí. Uhum. O Ele aí é uma batida característica até hoje. Pois é. É, o, é, o, é um ritmo bem caracterizado com aquela rebaquita de caixa, tudo isso. E o Negão do Samba tinha outras coisas em mente que dentro do Ele aí, a direção do Ele aí, o presidente do Ele aí, quem era aquela junção de uhum. que sempre tinha uma organização para poder resolver o que poderia ser feito ou não dentro de cada entidade. Então, o Samba não tinha a liberdade que ele precisava, que ele achou no Lodum, né? A liberdade de poder criar, criar uhum. trabalhar sem pressão nenhuma, sem ninguém ditando sim ou não a ele. Uhum. So he's that back, back in the day, in the days when Neguinho do Samba was in Ilê, Neguinho was with the, this idea in his head that he wanted to create other rhythms and play different stuff. Actually, people used to call him crazy because at, back in the days on Iliaye, they used to play with one, one stick, like the way you play samba, mm-hmm. with the repenique. Mm-hmm. used to play with the same style, but doing different stuff. I mean, not, not the same rhythm as the samba, but used to play with one one stick and, and he has always two sticks in his hand trying to play and then people will call you crazy you know you you can only can play with one stick and he in his head he was like no i want to play with two sticks and i want to make <laughs> this happen so what happened is he's uh he, his ideas start going against the how do you say ideology ideology of iliaye mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, because every, every group like that has a president and a secretary and all that stuff, right? There's a border, right. a border or something, a board room, of, I mean, a board group for the group. So what happened is when he he was invited to go to Olodum, he has all the freedom to create whatever he wanted. And he, in, when he was in Iliaye, he didn't have that freedom. 
Brasilia, it has already one. Uh, they have already set it up all the rhythms and all the how they play it, and they didn't have they didn't want to change anything, right? So Neguin was trying to change something that he couldn't do it. And when he went to Lodum, he found he found all this freedom, and that's how he creates some barregue. He creates uh, merengue and all these rhythms that they need and everything else, right? Like all the beats that they play in Olodum today. Right, right. So how did how did that transition happen for um, Memel to become the mestre of Olodum? Can he describe that story to us? Ela está perguntando como foi a transição quando você recebeu o nome de mestre? Como foi que isso aconteceu? As pessoas começaram a me chamar de mestre simultaneamente quando o Neguinho do Samba teve que viajar para a África para poder fazer um trabalho de pesquisa musical, né? E acabou me deixando como mestre interino, uhum. substituto, ou seja, até ele estar fora eu ficava no comando. Né? E depois ele fez uma avaliação, procurou saber das pessoas como foi o meu desempenho uhum. e as pessoas disseram que eu, eu tive pulso, tive liderança, né? E por esse motivo a partir daquele momento que ele voltou, acabou me deixando como segundo interino. Então, uhum. eu fiquei mestre Mimeu, né, juntamente com o Neguinho do Samba. Então, ele está dizendo que quando, em algum momento, Neguinho do Samba foi para a África para estudar algum, para fazer algum research sobre a história de alguns ritmos, e, you know, history, right? About the, the uh -huh. ritmos, porque a maioria dos ritmos da Bahia tem grandes raízes africanas, certo? So when he went there, he left Memeo as a as a leader, right? To to be able to lead the band while he was he was out. So when that happened, people start calling Memeo as a master Memeo. Ah. So when when Neguindo Samba came back from Africa, he asked around how was the, the work that Memeo did when he was out. And everybody was saying that he was really good and that he, he, he could be a leader and he knew what he was doing and everything was perfect. So since the day that he came back, he could he actually called him, you are Messi Memeo, you know. Wow. So he was the, the, the second Messi after Neguinho, right? I mean, the first Messi after, after Neguinho right. was him. So every time Neguinho would be out, he would be leading the band. And wow. so sometimes uh, Olodum was too busy back in the days when he got really popular. Uh, Neguinho would take one band to one one continent and Messi Memeo would take another part of the band somewhere else, right? They could, mm -hmm. they could be doing two tours at the same time, one in the U.S. and another one in Europe. So they would split. Yeah, cool. How old was he at the time? Quantos anos você tinha naquela época quando Neguinho falou que você era Messi Memeo? 21. 
So he joined the group. So he entered the group in 84. He joined the group in 84. Yeah. Cool. Yes. Ola Doom has been like such a huge influence on, on pop music in the West and, and music. I mean, everywhere. It's had, yeah. it's had such a huge. They've been all over the world, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. All over the world. They've been in Asia. They've been in Asia. They've been in Africa. They've been all over Europe. They've been already in the States. They've been here in Canada too. And they've been all over South America too. So it's it almost everywhere. Yeah. Um, does, does his world travels and traveling with the group around the world, has that changed the way he th thinks of, and creates Olo, like the arrangements for Olodum? Quando você tem viajado fazer turnê com Olodum por aí pelo mundo, é, tem influenciado alguma das coisas que você tem visto para você criar novos ritmos e novas composições? Eu acho que toda música precisa, sim, de um apoio, de um alicerce, precisa também de estarmos sempre conectados com outros ritmos, né? Eu acho que é de uma, de uma coisa puxa a outra. Sim, precisamos, não que eu tenha ido ou fazer alguma pesquisa, mas acaba surgindo, a gente sai nos festivais, TV, os outros ritmos, vê outros grupos, uhum. e acabamos, sim, observando que podemos, sim, usar algo que eles estejam usando, ou como... De outra forma, também eles vão ver o show do Oludum e acabam pegando algumas coisas que nós tocamos com os tambores. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so he's saying that sometimes when we goes around and, you know, invited some uh, on, in the festivals and stuff, they're able to see all the groups, right? So he can get some influence and they can adapt to the Brazilian beat, to the somebody, mm -hmm. everything. Mm -hmm. Same as when the other people goes down there and they see Olodum and they grab some of the stuff and they bring it back and adapt to their group, right? Mm -hmm. That's what he was saying. Mm -hmm. So that when you connect it with the music and with everybody else, he said he's always creating and always thinking about you know what is next, right? For example, lately I've been following a lot what he's been done, been doing in Salvador for for the last three four months. And there's a bunch of new rhythms that nobody's playing here, right? And I've been seeing the videos. You've been sending me all those videos private so I could check it out and, and you see, oh, you know, you could do this, you could do that. So it's very cool to have that connection too with him. Yeah, yeah. And I play a bunch of uh, his arrangements right, with the band myself here up in Toronto. And when people see this, like, oh, my God, this is crazy. You know, this is beautiful. This is it. And every time I can, I always say that, you know, this is not my riddance. This is all from Salvador Bahia and, you know, the people that started back in the day, right? This is not mine. I just helped to spread the culture. Yeah. How does he feel about um, non-Brazilians um, playing playing the that drum. music? Because it comes from such a specific place in the world yeah. and has such a specific meaning to the community where it was created. How does he feel about, you know, um, Westerners, non-Brazilians? Mm. Um, I mean, Westerners not the right word, but I think you know what I mean. Like yeah, non-Brazilians yeah. playing his music. I know. Como é que você se sente depois que você começa a dar essas? Você já viajou tanto? Como é que você se sente em ver que pessoas não sendo brasileiras estão tocando nossos ritmos no mundo inteiro? Eu me sinto realizado porque nós como músicos somos desacreditados pelo por outras profissões, né? Eu acho que a música veio para isso, para unificar e unir. Uhum. Eu me sinto bem quando eu estou tocando no meio de várias pessoas, de itens diferentes, de religiões diferentes e com o mesmo pensamento, ou seja, fazer música. Uhum. Então, 
me sinto gratificado em ter detido como negão do samba, como uma pessoa que veio para a minha vida para me mostrar qual era o meu caminho a seguir. Uhum. Então, antes de negão do samba ir para o Lodum ou chegar lá no, no Pelourinho, eu era uma pessoa que não tinha nem visão de que eu, de quem eu poderia ser hoje. Né? Poderia ser um policial, poderia ser um bombeiro, algo menos músico. Uhum. Então, o Negão Samba veio para a minha vida para isso, para botar me na música e eu saber qual é o meu destino. O meu destino é esse, é fazer música, é unir povos, fazendo que todo mundo gosta e que é bom para o espírito, para a alma e para o coração. Uhum. Música. <risos> isso ainda... He feels uh, grateful and realizes that other cultures and other people play our the, our music from there because he feels you know happy every time he goes around and there's people from all over the world playing at the same time with him, mm. even though it's different. You know, like with all respect, we when you have people that's non-Brazilians, at some point you know there's some bands that doesn't sound exactly like how we sound over there, right? Sure. But uh, it's, it's grateful to see that they try hard and try to make it happen and, they, you know, they spread the culture and all that. And they, they, he also add that when, because when you're a musician, lots of people doesn't look at you in a proper way because everybody thinks musicians is just about party and, you know, mm -hmm. drugs and whatever, right? Rock and roll and drugs, whatever they say. Right. Something like that. And so it's grateful to see that he can unite people from different countries and just because the mu music is, is the best of uh, the best weapon he has, right? <laughs> you can say it like that. Beautiful. Yeah. Wow. So he's grateful that Yundu Samba show up in his life and show him basically what will be his destiny, which was unite people with his music. That's beautiful. Thank you for following your destiny. Ah, tá agradecendo por, por você seguir o seu caminho. <laughs> Obrigado. We're all better off because of it. Yeah, thank you. E hoje acabamos ouvindo de uma pessoa que não nos conhecia, mas viu oh, na yeah. televisão, né? Pode dizer isso. Yeah. Oh, he wants, he wants me to add something. Today something a little bit, not crazy, it was actually cool. Happened, right? I took him around for shopping mm -hmm. on the neighborhood here in Kensington, where Marco is right now and a jamaican guy man a rasta man saw him when we were buying something he stopped and said hey i know you you're famous <laughs> drummer you're from brazil nice. and like he starts telling all this information we were like what's going on here you know and he felt really happy and he actually gave a hug to the guy and because he was you know the guy was basically telling you the gods of gods of the drumming and this and that oh uh, wow well. <laughs> it was a like a very beautiful experience because i would never expect like a jamaican a rastaman come out and look at him and say i know you you know that like, you're the guy <laughs> from from this group and blah 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 yeah man, that was crazy So he actually was really happy because the guy said some beautiful words to him hmm. and, you know, gave his blessing and he asked for his blessing too. So it was actually a, a really nice thing that happened today. So what he adds with that, what he's saying when he adds that is that like, that's how powerful music can be, right? 
people can see you and then and, and the, you, you just make the disconnections and you make people feel happy you know you unite people and all that stuff like all the positive things you can get out of music right yeah and it touches the world in ways that he probably will never know the extent of it you know because there's people playing those rhythms and loving that part of their life in that you know he may never meet but their lives are you know better off because of it i, I know yeah for, for sure yeah diana did i've you been have having something? some yes i do <laughs> <laughs> I've been having some technical difficulties, so sorry. But I had a question. I have a couple questions, actually, going back um, some years. We spoke to one of his contemporaries, Margaret Chimenez, a, a while back, and she was mentioning how um, it wasn't until she kind of became popular outside of Brazil that she became more popular in Brazil. Does he think that Olodum had that same kind of um, experience? as being more popular within Brazil as a whole later on once they traveled outside. Ela tá perguntando que quando ela ela, ela teve uma conversa com com Margarete também, Margarete Menezes, e que Margarete dizia que ela não ela não era tão famosa no Brasil em, ou na Bahia, até quando ela se fez mais famosa fora do Brasil e que quando voltou para o Brasil para Bahia, o pessoal conhecia mais ela. Ela está perguntando se com o caso do Olodum foi a mesma coisa. Se o Olodum ficou mais popular fora do Brasil e quando ficou popular fora do Brasil e a galera começou mais como ficar mais popular em, na Bahia também. É exatamente quando o ritmo samba reggae saiu da, da, da Bahia para o mundo, né, foi a, a visita de Paul Simon uhum. ao Brasil, ajudou muito isso, a visita de Michael Jackson também ao Brasil através dessa, desse ritmo novo, acabou sim proporcionando que os próprios baianos, os próprios brasileiros procurassem conhecer mais o que era o Olodum, porque o Olodum veio do Marcel Pelourinho, área marginalizada, área que quase ninguém ia lá com medo, uhum. porque só ouvia falar, não via, não conhecia é, o, o que era o Marcel Pelourinho. Então, com, com, com a, a vinda desses artistas internacionais procurando saber Só que ritmo que... novo era esse, o que é que estava acontecendo, que novidade era essa que acabou se expandindo para, para fora. vamos dizer, de fora para dentro. Uhum. Ou seja, fomos para tocar no Central Park, fomos fazer vários shows fora do, do Brasil com as turnês que o Olodum começou a fazer. Então, uhum. aí no verão, então, meu amigo, quem tinha medo de ir para o Pelourinho perdia o medo que todos estavam no Santo Histórico de Salvador vendo uhum. o ensaio do Olodum. So he say, yeah, kind of it happened in that way a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because, um, you know, uh, back in the days when Paul Simon were looking for to work with Olodum, right. uh, they all, he also brought them to Central Park, right? In this mm -hmm. big show with almost 800,000 people watching that. And uh, that, that actually helps a lot because Paul Simon, is already, he already was well-known internationally, right? And same as Michael Jackson, when Michael Jackson went down to do to do the work with them and all that stuff. After all that, Olodun started getting like tours all over the world. So what happened is when we will come back home, the people from Bahia, the Baianos, will actually pay more attention on them and, and start enjoying more the music than before. Is that the same for the rest of Brazil as well? Ah, pergunto se é a mesma coisa para o resto do Brasil também. 
É, exatamente quando o samba reggae veio à tona, que todo mundo ficou com aquela curiosidade de saber o que era o samba reggae. Fizemos várias turnês pelo Norte e Nordeste né, do, do Brasil. Uhum. Rodamos também o Sul, o Sudeste. Então, fizemos quase o quarto canto do mundo. Uhum. <risos> o Ludon já rodou praticamente quase, quase os quatro cantos uhum. do mundo. Yeah, you say that that happened in Brazil a lot. That they want to start going on tour more all over the country, north, south, east, northeast, everywhere. And he say also that basically Lodum, after all this stuff with Paul Simon, Michael Jackson, they'd be in the four corners of the world. Lodum já foi mais de 28 países. They've been in more than 28 countries around there. Wow. Yeah. What is what is his favorite song that they do? Qual a sua música preferida do Olodum quando vocês tocam? É, para mim é difícil dizer que todas quando tocam a batida bate mais forte do que a própria letra, né? Então eu me eu me transformo mais quando eu sinto os tambores tocando. Então cada música tocada para mim é é uma novidade, é uma coisa que não tem como dizer, eu gosto mais dessa, que todas têm uma criação, até inclusive em mim, como se fosse uma filha minha, porque claro. eu boto o ritmo também. Uhum. Então é difícil uhum. para não ter ciúme de, de um filho para o outro. Ele não tem uma música favorita? Porque a maioria das músicas tem seus arranjamentos, então é como um pequeno bebê, cada música. Ele diz, você pode ter um bebê favorito. Eles são irmãos, você tem que amar eles todos. Mas ele gosta mais quando ele está jogando o drum. Quando ele está realmente jogando o drum, é quando ele ouve o drum. Ele está basicamente transformando ele e chegar à zona e à vibe que faz ele basicamente viver o estilo de vida que ele tem, certo? You brought up uh, Paul Simon. Um, can you tell us a story about Paul Simon wanting to buy um, Nikinu a car? Yeah. Ela tá perguntando da história de, de Paul Simon, que Paul Simon queria comprar o carro para Neguinho. Aí o que aqui Neguinho fez? Não, o Paul Simon realmente ofereceu a ele um carro. Neguinho, em vez disso, tinha lá um prédio em ruína, né? um prédio abandonado. Precisava fazer uma grande reforma e Neguinho no Samba fez isso. Miguel Samba preferiu que o Simon comprasse o prédio uhum. né, e o ajudasse a reformar para ah, ele é fazer uma escola para meninas. Uhum. Que ele tinha também esse sonho de botar mulheres para tocar. Então, ele criou a Didá, grupo feminino de percussão. Yeah, so he, that story is, is actually true. Paul Simon offered to buy Neguinho like a brand new car that could, wow. that could cost you know, a lot of money back in those days because they were doing really good. But what happened is Neguinho asked for to Paul Simon to basically instead of buying a car to buy a building that was almost like half of the building was already demolished and it was uh nobody was living in it, nobody was using it. It was just there standing. So yeah, so Paul Simon basically bought the building for Neguinho and did the renovations and make it look good because Neguinho has this dream of having also uh, girls playing the drums, right? So he created, he founded, when he bought that building, he founded Banda Jida, which is a somebody mm -hmm. like a female group, right? Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, guys are not allowed in those rehearsals. It's just girls. Not even then is allowed to go in. 
Not even my nose got out of the way. For real. So, uh, I love it. Is, are they the only group that rehearses there? Banda de Dá, o único grupo que ensaia ali na casa delas, do, do prédio. Só oh, elas mesmo, okay. mulheres. Yeah, just then, <laughs> only women, that's it. Nobody else can do it. Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. That's so cool. does Olodum have, have an, its own ONGI or, or community group that, that they sponsor as well? Se o Olodum tem algum ONG ou algum grupo que vocês é, patrocinem. Tipo, não, o Olodum, tem, o Olodum tem, tem a escola criativa, né? Que capacita crianças com informática, dança, percussão, uhum. né? E o Olodum tem uma escola própria assim que acaba fazendo essa parceria. Quando os meninos acabam se completando 18 anos, muito bem, para tocar no carnaval conosco, no, a banda do Olodum, que tem sem percussionista, que é o Broco do Olodum. Fora a banda show também, que muitas vezes capacitamos alguns também para poder até participar de alguns eventos. Então, o Olodum ajuda a escola do Olodum. Uhum. Né? Formou-se a escola para poder pegar as crianças com risco de rua, não criança de rua, mas criança que ficava um tempo estudando, outro sem fazer nada. Então, para ocupar a mente da, da garotada, acabou se criando a escola Olodum. Isso aí, eles basicamente sponsored their own uh, school. Right, what mm -hmm. they call the creative school, where they have, you know, they had computers, so they would teach the kids how to use computers. They have dance class and they have drumming class and all that. And they create that because there was a lot of kids at risk um, in Pelourinho back in the days. So when they would come and join the Escola Olodum, Escola Creativa Olodum, they will have access to use the computer. They will have access to, to actually become a dancer and then they will have access to become a professional drummer. And when they were 18, they could basically join the band if they, if they were, you know, good drummers to, to do it, right? So they, they, mm -hmm. they sponsor themselves basically, like not themselves, but the kids, right? Which it will be, yeah, cool. it has the name Olodun School. Escola, mm -hmm. Escola Creativa Olodun. Very cool. And can people can people audition to join Olodum as well besides coming from the school? Tem a possibilidade a possibilidade do pessoal fazer audição para entrar no Olodum sem passar pela escola? Antigamente tinha, antigamente tinha essa coisa de quando se tinha um tema de carnaval precisava de músico, fazíamos uma sabatina no Pelourinho, né? E eu selecionava juntamente com o Negão do Samba e depois que ele Saiu, continuou um tempo também, fazendo isso, sabatina, para escolher músicos referentes para sair no carnaval. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes they would do it for carnival, because they needed a lot of musicians to be able to go and do the parade. Mm -hmm. So they, they basically would do a rehearsal, a rehearsal on Saturdays, and they will see who, who could be able to do it and who, and who, who would not do it, right? Mm -hmm. But they they would they 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 used to allow that back back then. Mm. Today they only have a hundred musicians and that's it. Like a hundred drummers, yeah. Yeah, interesting. Used to be used to be three hundred, uh -huh. and they cut it down to a hundred. So between those hundred, they figure who does which show, who can be in the in, in the banda show, mm. and 
who can be in the carnival, who can be there, you know, different stuff that whatever they have going on. Mm-hmm. Is it cut, cut off at 100 just for logistical reasons? Like it's easier to keep that many? Yeah, one, one was that. And also the second thing I remember talking about this with him, it was that they didn't have uh, enough sponsors anymore. Mm. Because, it was, you know, it was, it was big, right? It was a lot of people. Right, right. So the, the, the sponsors kind of cut the funding and that's why they had to bring it down to a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, I kind of want to take it back a little bit. You were saying um, for our audience, I think would like to hear about how, um, like the, you were saying that um, again, you went to Africa to study African rhythms and more of the roots of where some of the Sambahegi rhythms came from can you describe kind of the through line of some of that could he describe some of the through line of of some of that for our audience ah tá perguntando se você tem como descrever mais um pouco sobre essa viagem de neguinho na África se você sabe assim mais alguma coisa alguma dessa história se não nego no samba sempre foi um pesquisador da música né por ele ser o grande canobré Neguinho Samba era o grande canobré, ele tinha a religião dele que era o canobré, e por ter essa religião nele, ele tinha essa curiosidade de ir na África para também conhecer um pouco do canobré. Uhum. Porque em, em, em países diferentes há sempre uma cultura que é a mesma, mas o nome do orixá é diferente, como tem Cuba, tem o canobré de Cuba, temos também na África o canobré, a religião canobré. O Neguinho Samba ser do canobré, ele tinha essa curiosidade esse desejo de conhecer as raízes dele. Uhum. Então, ele se aproveitava do talento que ele tinha para poder também tentar desenvolver isso e trazer para o Salvador, para dentro do próprio Lodum, algo que ele conhecesse de novo na África. Né? Uhum. He's saying that Neguinho do Samba was part of the Candomblé, the Candomblé uhum. in, in Brazil, in Bahia. And he basically has curiosity to find out more of his roots and all the Candomblé in Africa. And, and and basically to find out how was the beats and all that stuff, so he if he could add that to the to the samba reggae and, and whatever he was creating mm-hmm. back then, he he followed the orishas and all that. So he had he was very he he always used, he was always a researcher guy. Like he always was looking for information, always to find out about the roots and everything he he could learn. So he also could bring something back home. And be able to apply it when he was playing with Olodun and teach the people and all that, right? Wow, cool. Is there is there a a specific um, rhythm that he can think of that came out of those travels of um, Niguinho? Tem algum ritmo específico que você pensa pode pensar mais ou menos que Niguinho trouxe em uma dessas viagens? É porque quando Niguinho passava para a gente, ele passava muitas convenções. Ele não para, ele não botava um ritmo específico. Ele vinha com as convenções e a gente tinha que criar algo em cima. Então, era complicado porque era muitas ideias dele que, automaticamente, quando ele tentava passar, ele até esquecia. Nós tínhamos que lembrar <risos> algo que ele sempre fazia. Então, ele estava sempre mudando. Uhum. Tanto é que conseguimos manter a forma do samba reggae original através da, do, do nosso, da nossa insistência em sempre dizer a ele como era que tinha que tocar. Que Neguinho tinha, tinha uma cabeça muito... Uma visão além do que a gente poderia imaginar. Então, quando a gente já estava fazendo isso, ele já estava aqui. 
Uhum. Então a gente tinha que juntar esses dois pedaços para poder manter inteiro o que ele vinha criando. E ainda it's not really a specific written. I created a lot of those travels, but it was a lot of like breaks, you know, mm. conventions that they call right the breaks in between the beats that they he he like create a lot of it, and at some point he he would forget himself, he would forget like what he already created, so they would have to always try to keep him, you know, try to make him remember everything and try to keep the sambaregi as original as possible, so we, they don't forget the form. How it was supposed to be played. Mm -hmm. <laughs> cool. Because so, Neguinho, Neguinho, Neguinho has a, you know, he used to visualize more than, like, he was saying that, let's say you're doing something here, you're playing pracata, pracata, Neguinho was already doing pararararara after that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. He was already ahead of you. So they will always try to put to, the thing back together. Because Neguinho has too many ideas, and he, he, sometimes he will lose the control of it, you know. <laughs> right. True creative. So uh, he's so Mestre Vimeo has been Mestre for a long time. So um, one question we like to ask people is how in these big groups how how does he deal and does he directly deal with conflict between members of the group and and has he found some effective strategies for dealing with conflict interpersonal conflict. Ah, está perguntando. É, você tem sido mestre por bastantes anos do Lodum. Como é que você resolve, por exemplo, se tem algum conflito com o pessoal, se tem algum problema entre eles? Tem, como é que você, sendo líder, você consegue, digamos que, manter a calma do pessoal e, e continuar que a banda continue, né? E não, não aconteça nada errado. Como é que você, sendo líder, como é que você consegue manter? Se tem alguma estratégia para conversar com a galera? Ou, ou alguma coisa que você faça para manter o grupo sempre Sim, na sempre, paz? É, sempre tem, temos, sempre, sempre temos uma, uma conversa, realmente, algumas vezes há alguns, alguns desentendimentos, mas é um desentendimento musical por, pelo seguinte fato de queremos ter e ser os melhores. Tanto é que algumas pessoas falam que Oludum, a melhor banda percussiva do planeta. planeta já vi então, esse título para mim é complicado, porque eu tenho que manter um grupo, não, não 100%, que ninguém é 100%, mas em, uma, em, em um patamar que podemos trabalhar equilibrado, mantendo a emoção, né, sempre no controle, antes da ação. Uhum. Porque quando se fala a melhor banda vai ser do planeta, alguns músicos já se acham que é o melhor do que o outro, o músico do Ilhaê, que é melhor que o músico do Mocenza, que é melhor que o músico do Malê. Então, a gente, eu, eu como líder, tento passar para eles o que eu aprendi lá atrás, que antes, sim, tinha esse conflito, esse conflito de músicos. Por, por você ser do Ilhaê, eu do Olodum, a gente não se falava, não se procurava, né? porque os mestres de antigamente tinham aquela coisa de mostrar o poder, regendo a banda de forma que tinha que mostrar para o outro que existia uma hierarquia, mas que acabava sem conflitos, uhum. não tinha diálogo. Uhum. Então, eu acho que, com o tempo, nós fomos aprendendo e vendo que o que a gente fazia era música. Então, para a música funcionar, temos que estar todos juntos. juntos. Então, isso foi importante quando se criou-se uma coisa chamada, lá em Salvador, o Dia da Consciência Negra. 
uhum. que na consciência negra é, fazia que todos os brocos se transformassem em um. O Lodum, Ilemo, Zenza, Didá, Cortejo, Afro, Malê de Malê, todos saindo juntos né, nessa festa chamada 20 de novembro, Dia da Consciência Negra. Uhum. Então foi daí que começamos a unificar Sim. em uma só. Uhum. Então isso poderíamos trocar ideia com outro músico, ver que poderíamos tocar, mesmo sendo ritmos diferentes, mas juntos. Tocar junto. Então isso acabou também me dando força e poder de chamar os músicos. Está vendo? Viu que temos que nos unificar, claro. sermos uma coisa só. Ele pode tocar o maracatu, ele pode tocar o reggae, ele pode tocar o samba reggae, ele pode tocar o afoxé, mas é uma coisa só, música. Então se a gente não tiver uma unificação, vamos ser uma classe como todo mundo acha, que somos uma classe de vagabundos. Claro. Então, nós mesmo temos que nos respeitar e tentar mostrar para eles que, unidos, somos mais fortes. Então, ele está dizendo que ele tem que lidar com muitos dos problemas, mas, principalmente, os problemas musicais. E ele também mencionou que, nos anos a musician of Ilayaye wouldn't talk to a musician from Lodun and, and they wouldn't talk to a musician from Timbalada and the other guy wouldn't talk. Nobody would talk to each other. And <clears throat> that only generated more conflict and more conflict, right? And they yeah. were basically hating each other. But at some point, they got this big celebration on November 20th that's called the Day of the... If you if I translate it would be the day of the black conscious conscious conscience yeah the day of the black conscience so when that will happen o dia da da consciência negra consciousness it, yeah when that will happen that was the time that all the black afros will get together and basically play together in the parade everybody olodun ileaye muzenza os negões, uh, cortejo afro, e all the block offers will be playing together. Hmm. So, he used that example a lot to point her out to his own musicians of Olodum to say, this is what we need, you know, when you unite everybody, when you unite the people, is when, the, when this is going to move forward. If you keep have conflicts between each other, we're never going to go anywhere. So, At the end of the day, you could be playing afoxé, you could be playing samba, you can play maracatu, you can play samba reggae, but at the end of the day, it's music, no matter what. So instead of being always fighting and arguing, why not unite everyone and you know, move forward and, and basically prove everyone that musicians are not the people that are always drinking and doing drugs, and we are more than that, right? Uh, nice. I had a question about the, the size change of the group. As far as getting like people to practice, sometimes, at least in the United States, it's difficult to get members of groups to practice. But I would, I've always wondered if having a small group with like, this is the small performance group that is more exclusive, if that kind of encourages people who really want to get into that group to, to rehearse more and to practice more. I was wondering if he had noticed anything like that or if it's even a problem trying to get people to practice there. <laughs> Ela diz como é nos assuntos dos ensaios. Como tem tantos músicos, se é difícil que a galera venha ensaiar, se é, se é difícil que a galera chegue na hora e... É complicado. Né? A maioria do, de quem toca tem um trabalho fora a música. Hum. A maioria. 
Então, nunca se chega a todos no horário, nunca se chega... Até, até porque o trânsito também em Salvador está complicado, Salvador está uma cidade que cresceu desgovernadamente, agora está tentando entrar no eixo, mas acaba assim uma metrópole complicada em relação ao próprio trânsito, o carro no trânsito, que acaba, depende do horário também, né? a partir das 18 horas. E Olodum, por muitos terem o seu trabalho fora a música, acabavam de fazer um ensaio, um exemplo, 7 horas da noite, para acabar 10 horas para poder ter tempo de quem trabalhava, saísse do trabalho, pegasse o transporte e se locomovesse até o Pelourinho, porque são músicos de diversos locais diferentes. Uhum. Vai bairro diferente, né? Curuzu, Pernambués, Corme de Farias, Fazenda Grande, Marachal Rondon, Santo Inácio, a própria Suburbana. Então, são músicos de diversos lugares. E para chegar a assim, ter um ensaio no horário, nunca se pode fazer mais esperava um pouco, esperava a maior quantidade de vinho para poder dar início até quem pudesse chegar depois e uhum. pegar o um ensaio. Yeah, he said it was very hard <laughs> to make people come out to rehearse on time because not actually because if people were lazy or anything, it was mostly because the majority of the people who was playing Olodum also has a full-time job. Uhum. Right? Uhum. And and he said that Salvador year by year grew, grew a lot. And basically, it was uncontrolled the way it grew. There's so there's so much, so many cars not right now. There's too much transit, and you know until they can make it to the rehearsal, they never come on time. He said he never started rehearsal on time. Let's say he start he, he if he has to be at seven, he almost is starting at eight thirty so that he can finish the rehearsal around ten thirty or something because well. people will never be on time mm -hmm. and they will wait for as many people as can be there so they could do they could start the rehearsal gotcha well it's nice to hear it's not just a problem with us <laughs> <laughs> uh interesting okay um i was wondering i was wondering about his teaching approach he does so many workshops abroad and whatnot um does he approach his or Does he have the same intensity with his students abroad as he does with his own group at home? Ah, tá perguntando que quando você vai ensinar seus workshops aí pelo mundo, se você ensina a galera do mesmo jeito, se você chega neles do mesmo jeito que você faz lá no, no Olodum, ou se você tem outra maneira de ensinar? É o mesmo jeito. He approaches the same way, he says. <laughs> he doesn't give anybody a break. No, he says he approaches the same way. Eu só, eu só não faço como o Neguinho do Samba fazia conosco, né? Ele disse que a única coisa que ele não faria era o Neguinho do Samba, que era o Neguinho do Samba que ele fazia, que é, se você fizer um erro, ele vai vir e te bater com o dedo no seu pé. Oh, meu Deus! Ele vai bater com tudo, em uma repica, vamos dizer, 20 repiniques, um cara vai bater com o erro, ele vai bater com o dedo, All the 20 Repenikis. Oh! <laughs> and, and one of those Repenikis will be my male too, right? Oh. Yeah. So you say that's the only thing he will never do because, you know, you can't do that those, at this point right now. Right? And, uh, 2018, you can't do that stuff. <laughs> But back in the days, how he was, that's how he was it because uh, they always wanted to be the best. So. Anybody would mess up. It could be a surdo, could be a caixa, could be a fundo, could be a timbal, whatever it was it, 
the whole line, it will get hit in the head with the sticks. <laughs> well, there's motivation to be I good. Was say, <laughs> there's there's motivation, motivation to practice. <laughs> but the funny thing is, they wouldn't get mad at Neguinho to Samba. They would get mad to the guy who made the mistake. Right, of course. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Um, can you tell us about his uh, his band and the inspiration for his arrangements for the band and what's going on there? Ah, tá perguntando quais são as inspirações que você tem com sua própria banda, a banda do Márcio Memeu, e o que você faz aí, o, o tipo de trabalho que você faz. Bem, a banda do Márcio Memeu é o segmento do legado que ninguém no samba deixou, que é ensinar o samba regra original. Né? Então, todos que tomam workshop comigo, todos que aprendem como se toca o samba reggae, faz parte dessa coisa chamada a banda do Mestre Memeu, que é um trabalho que eu faço né, individual, fora o meu trabalho no Lodum, que é sair pelos quatro cantos do mundo, aonde eu for chamado, para poder exercer esse papel de mostrar realmente como se toca o samba reggae, como se tira o som certo, como se faz a coisa acontecer originalmente. So he's saying that his band, a banda do Mestre Memeu, basically he created a project to be able to keep the form of the original samba reggae, hmm. right? So when he goes abroad in another, when he goes out to do his workshops, he, so he created this band so he could do all that, that part, to do workshop as a, as a Mestre Memeu and not as a musician of Olodum, right? Because hmm. that, that's completely different one to the other. So when he goes, he, he just want to make sure people learn the right way to play samba reggae, the way Neguindo Samba taught it like years ago, almost 40 years now. So he just want to keep it the same form, the same original form. And that was one of the reasons, that was the biggest reason he created his band so he could keep that alive. Because a lot of people, like I told you before, a little bit before, goes down there and then bring it down somewhere else and they say this is samba reggae and you know and they don't learn the right way and it's not the real the real thing because mm. when it, what happens let's say a musician from from germany right went down there and then just an example went down there and you know learned with some other masses around the area because Pelorino is full of drumming it's not only olodum there's a couple other groups there so you could learn with anybody, and they take this to back to Germany. This is this is some reggae, and they teach to a bunch of people, and they keep playing for a couple of years. And then at some point, they actually invite Mestri Memeo to go there and play with them. And when they show what they have as some reggae, Memeo will tell them, you know, this is wrong. Whoever whoever taught you, this is completely wrong. <laughs> this is the way we do it. And that's one. That's the reason he created his band so he could keep the samba reggae original, original uh, alive, right? Like live, so people can can learn the right way. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. So he keeps he he tours and he he shows the the original way, right? As Neguinho do samba. Yeah. Can he talk a little bit? Could you ask him how samba reggae has evolved since he started playing it? Like. In, in what ways has it changed? Sorry, can you repeat that? Um, would you Sorry. ask him how um, Samba Hege has, has evolved since he started playing? Oh, ela está perguntando 
como é que o samba reggae tem evoluído desde que você começou a tocar? Tem evoluído com muitas convenções novas, né? Neguinho no samba deixou sim um samba reggae com ritmo pronto e coube a mim, aqueles que trabalhavam com ele, que acreditou no trabalho dele, a fazer convenções. Tanto sim que depois do samba reggae veio o ritmo chamado merengue, né? Temos o forró dum, uhum. a criação minha com a minha equipe que trabalha comigo, que é os músicos, eu não eu sozinho não posso dizer que eu criei, claro. desde quando eu tenho a ideia, mas preciso da, 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 dos outros seres humanos para poder, bom e prático, que aí nós temos na cabeça. Uhum. Né? Nós criamos, mas dependemos deles para poder executar. Claro. Então temos o forró do um merengue, o samba reggae com merengue, né? temos o ritmo da avenida, tudo isso aí veio através do que ninguém no samba criou, que é o hum. samba reggae. Né? Hum. Então, daí veio todo o através da, dessa batida. Então procuramos evoluir, evoluímos muito. E já temos já uns três ritmos também prontos. Eu com meus meninos lá no Pelourinho, para poder depois botar na banda do Ludum. Enquanto eu for dar meu oficial pelo mundo, passar também essas coisas. Né? 2017, 2018, já temos 2019 pronto. <risos> so, yeah. So he's saying that Samba Reggae has evolved a lot since he joined. Olodun and start playing, but basically Neguinho do Samba left them the reading the beat ready, and it was basically up to them to start creating the breaks and all the changes that they, they were doing. Right, so little by little he also start creating his own uh, rhythms where Olodun also play it, but he said that he can never create everything by himself. He has the ideas, but also he needs the people who play, you know, the whole, basically the whole crew, right? Whoever plays cash and surdo, they get together and like, oh, I have this idea. What could you do here? And, and they will start building something until it comes out and, and they teach it to everyone. So when he does that, he, you know, he already, he said that when he creates everything, he tries to keep everything proper and be able to share with everyone when he does his workshops all over the world. He shares the same rhythms that he plays back home too, right? Right, cool. Sounds like natural evolution. Yeah, nice. So what about him? How has he evolved? How does how has he grown as a as a mestre? Como é que você tem evoluído como mestre? Como é, como, o que é que você sente desses anos todos que você está tocando? Como é que você tem evoluído como mestre? Evoluí culturalmente, enriqueceu-me muito tendo o privilégio e a sorte também de ter, como falo sempre, ter descoberto o meu dom através de Negão do Samba e poder sair pelo mundo espalhando a musicalidade. Então, me sinto realizado, me sinto cada vez melhor quando eu vejo, sim, que com a música eu consigo romper fronteiras e estar junto de pessoas que eu nem sonhava e nem pensava estar. Então, a música me proporcionou isso, me fez uma pessoa melhor né? Então, me sinto favorável, me sinto feliz quando ouço alguém, como hoje mesmo na rua, uma pessoa veio até nós e, sem eu saber quem era, mas sim me conhecia, agradeceu a minha existência e disse que eu vou ser uma pessoa mais próxima do que eu já sou através do que eu faço, né? a música. Uhum. Ele disse que ele evoluiu muito como mestre e, por causa de todo esse traveling he was able to be more open-minded too. And he's happy to, to be able to realize everything 
he can he can he actually been doing right right to be able to travel the world he's he's grateful that because of Neguinho do Samba he he realized he has the talent that could take him you know basically from all over the world right no no borders you know he could go anywhere even though he just speak Portuguese he's still able to go to all over Europe and all over Asia too, and now we open the doors here in North America. Hopefully, we can get him more, some other places around here. So he's happy and he's grateful of life and all the opportunities he 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 has get he he has gotten, and also that you know he's been working with people that he never thought he could probably work, and that makes him really happy and grateful of the life he's he's been having because of the drumming wow that's beautiful that's great is there any other music or things or projects coming out of uh of uh salvador right now that 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 he's excited about or could like clue us into anything we should be paying attention to tem algum projeto novo alguma coisa excitante que você tá emocionado aí para fazer alguma coisa nova alguma coisa nova que você queira contar para elas Já está pronto, já só falta botar em prática, que é o ritmo do Carnaval 2019. Né? Já está pronto, já tem seis breaks prontos, já está formado. Vai passar para os músicos do Olodum e eles exercerem Carnaval agora, né? que vai chegar aí, né? o Carnaval 2019, com uma minha nova e de convenções novas. Já está pronto. Isso aí, as all the rhythms and the breaks ready to go for Carnaval 2019. So he's super excited about that. Nice. And in as soon as he can, he will start sharing the uh, the musicians of Olodum, so everybody can have it. And he's really excited about that because he got a brand new rhythm with a bunch of new breaks. Mm. So I'm expecting that people will actually love it and and enjoy the the beats. Right. He's also going in October, I believe. Quando é que sai para Cabo? Cabo, vou agora em 11 de julho. July 11, he's going to be in Coburg in Germany. Oh, nice. Oh, that's yeah. the big festival. Yeah, he already there, did yeah. that before, and now he was invited again mm-hmm. to go. Samba Syndrome? Yeah. Great. And, no. No, it's uh, a Coburg uh, festival. Oh, that one, Samba Syndrome. Yeah. Oh, it the is one, cool. The one you say, yeah. And in October, he's going to Chile to work with another group there. Oh, wow, cool. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't know. Is there more than one thing before the Chile? Is there more than one thing in vista? Yeah. Você vai na França também, se não me engano. Tá em andamento algumas coisas aí. Eu vou sempre em novembro para o Terra Brasilis. Isso é em França, né? É o festival na Alemanha. Na Alemanha também. Em Berlim. Berlim. O grupo chamado vou fazer os 30 anos lá do Terra Brasilis. É no Ufa Fabrik em Berlim. Ufa Fabrik é o festival. He's going to the festival in Berlin too. For the 30 years of Terra Brasilis. Lufa Fabric. He's going to be there in November. Wow. It's going yeah. everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Wow. He's already, I believe he's already booked to go to France. I, I think he just doesn't know yet. Because I was talking to someone. He was telling another friend that has a band in France that's called Badawe. And they play some Bahagi too. We're making the connection. I'm very well connected with them. I might go too, I'm not sure. Nice. Uh, but they were telling me about it, uh, you know, they're going to bring him down again. He goes every year, he goes to France, Germany, Spain. 
Wow, cool. Area there all the time. There's lots of groups there, like Beautiful. lots. Of it's crazy. There's so many groups that we don't even like. Some of the people doesn't even know like this is so big somewhere yeah. else other than Brazil. You know. Right. Yeah. How does? Yeah, that's that's got to be a funny feeling. <laughs> yeah. You know, in Japan they have a whole carnival dedicated to Brazil. Yeah, yes. it's in August. Uh, done by Japanese September? people, August. dancers and drummers. <laughs> Yeah, it's supposed to be one of the biggest in the world. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> so in all his travels around the world, um, he's probably found himself in some interesting situations. Can um, can you tell us about one of the strangest or most interesting gigs that, that you've done? Nessas viagens pelo mundo aí que você já fez, os shows que você já fez aí, independente com o Lodum ou você mesmo, teve alguma situação assim estranha? Ou divertida, ou interessante, que chamou sua atenção? Bem, teve uma, um, um caso desse, com a gente viajando com o Lodum, chegamos super cansados, já de madrugada no local, né? Era o hotel que a gente chegou, só que de manhã que nós viemos saber que o hotel era dentro de um cemitério. Uh. <risos> oh, uau! Então, todo mundo ficou olhando para o outro e querendo entender como é que aquilo era como possível. Que né? Mas, já, na hora, todo mundo ficou se perguntando, porque ninguém conseguiu ninguém enxergar onde chegou, muito cansado, entrou, é. foi para os seus quartos. De manhã, quando você abre a janela, curtindo alguma coisa assim, que olha pela janela, está lá um cara de cruz na sua frente. <risos> é uma, é uma, uma coisas que acontecem em viagem que uhum. fica na história, né? So, he's saying that one of the trips with Olodum they finished a show late at night and everybody was tired and then they brought him to the hotel. They didn't know where was this hotel. They just went in and went to sleep. And the next day when they woke up and they opened the window to, you know, to see the sun and all that, they found out the hotel it was inside a cemetery so they could see the, <laughs> all the, <laughs> everything. So weird. Yeah, they could see everything outside. And everybody look at each other, basically like, "What's going on here?" Like, you know, I want to get out of here. I don't know where I am, and all this stuff. Which that's, is a funny thing. That's funny. That's so weird. When was it? Do you remember? Ah, tem anos foi na Alemanha, em Colônia. That was in turnê do Lodum. They were playing Germany like lots of a couple of years ago, <laughs> so they were on tour, and that that happened. One. Uh, question I have. We have two more. So, um, what has been your happiest moment playing this music? Like either, you know, with Olodum or with your band or in another country? Qual foi o seu momento de maior prazer, de felicidade tocando? Foi algum show com Olodum? Ou foi você com sua banda, a banda do Mestre Memeu, ou foi em algum a, workshop? A, a banda do Mestre Memeu, quando se fala a banda do Mestre Memeu, são todos que tocam comigo. Você, ele uhum. e companheiro. É um trabalho que eu tenho de workshop. Agora, tive vários momentos com o Olodum musicalmente, agora realização sozinho, eu tive em 2011, quando fui fazer o workshop no Samba de Drum. Uhum. Eu preparei uma equipe de músicos e tive que no mesmo dia, após o workshop, à noite, depois de algumas horas, apresentar o trabalho realizado em menos de três horas de relógio. Então, para mim, foi um, foi um teste de fogo fora do Oludum, porque quando você viaja, 
com alguém coordenando a sua ida, a vinda, é, é beleza. É fácil. Mas quando você está no comando da coisa, quando você tem que resolver a sua estadia, a sua ida e vinda no aeroporto e a sua chegada no local e executar o trabalho, né, e você vê que você tem uma responsabilidade muito grande que você nem mesmo conhecia. Né? Ser chamado de mestre, estando o produtor fazendo tudo, a produção preparando tudo e você só chegando no palco e tocando, é uma maravilha. Mas quando você tem a responsabilidade de você mesmo falar por você e agir por você, aí você tem noção de quem você é e o que você pode fazer. Então, em 2011, eu fui convidado para o Festival Somas e Brum, e lá eu sozinho tive que, mesmo sem falar uma língua em alemão, uhum. ou francês, ou inglês, mas tive a ajuda de alguns tradutores, mas a responsabilidade era toda minha, de eu poder exercer um trabalho e executá-lo e mostrar o que eu poderia fazer fora ano na banda do Oludum. Então, 2011, foi uma, um teste de fogo, sozinho, né, para poder mostrar para mim mesmo que eu tinha assim, capacidade de rodar o mundo, como estou fazendo, com minhas pernas, uhum. sem precisar de, de ninguém estar tá, tá me apoiando ou me pegando. Yeah, isso ainda... The, one of the happiest moments was when he went to Samba Zidrum. He was invited in 2011, where he had to basically get to the airport by himself and manage everything by himself. And it was a big test for him, because usually when he was going out with Olodum, everything would be done from somebody else, right? Like a coordinator or somebody. So he mm -hmm. would just go up and do the show on stage, and that's it. So that way, is, is, he said that way was a bit easier, because I didn't... I didn't He said I didn't, he didn't need to be worried about anything. This time that he went there, he got a lot of responsibilities where he had to do workshops and he has to do one rehearsal and present the same job, the same work he just did it in less than three hours on, an, on a big stage and everything else. So he, he was a bit scared, but he also realized that he could take all the responsibility and basically... He started traveling the world with his own legs and not needing the support of any, anything, you know, like mm. basically doing by himself. Right. And not always with Olodun, right? Because, you know, some people, when, when you have, you play in a famous band, you, a lot of people think you just can work with, with this band. You can, you, you gotta do everything with the same band. And at that moment when he was invited, he realized he could travel the world by himself too and showing his work and everything that he does right right very cool so we've asked him you know a lot of different questions but is there anything that we haven't covered that he'd like our listeners to know that you know about his work about his travels anything about himself ela disse ela já perguntou já perguntaram várias perguntas para você tem alguma pergunta que ela ainda não perguntou que você gostaria de adicionar? Alguma coisa para as pessoas que estão ouvindo a gente agora no podcast e tudo? Alguma coisa que você gostaria de agregar, adicionar ou dizer sobre o seu trabalho, sobre suas viagens? Não, eu só quero acrescentar que eu tenho que agradecer muito as pessoas que acreditam no meu trabalho. Né? Procuram sim olhar no Google, ver quem é o Mexe meu né? E acaba conhecendo a pessoa que é. Porque muitos só conhecem o artista. Muitos só conhece o líder da banda Lodum e agradeço por estar tendo essa oportunidade de estar tendo pessoas ao meu lado que veja realmente quem sou eu como pessoa, 
né, que o reconhecimento do músico é bom quando ele se mostra e tem caráter. Então, isso para mim é muito importante, trabalhar com pessoas honestas e ser honesto com essas pessoas, porque o meu nome é um nome forte, né, através da música, tenho consciência disso desde 2011, já tinha, assim, ouvia sempre os outros dizer mexe meu meu, mexe meu meu, mas não sabia que eu tinha essa força, Pato. Uhum. Esse nome era tão forte. E estou tendo esse reconhecimento, é, essa grandeza, e tenho que só agradecer a todos que acreditam, sim, no meu trabalho, né, sabe quem sou eu, fora e dentro da música. E isso é muito importante, a gente conseguir manter viva e forte uma coisa que tem que perpetuar. He just would like to add that he's very grateful for everybody who ever looking up on Google or anywhere else to find out about his work, to find out about <clears throat> everything that he does. He said that also back back there, back home, when everybody would call Master Memeo here, Master Memeo there, Master Memeo here and there, he didn't know that his name was really strong out there on this Batuqueiros mm. community, right? Mm. So he realized when he was invited to San Basidron in 2011 that his name was really strong and he didn't know about that. So he, he he's happy, he is grateful that everybody, you know, be looking him up and be inviting him uh, to all those places, countries, cities, and all over the world. And also that, uh, hold on. Você falou mais uma última. Qual foi a última coisa que você falou? É que só tenho a agradecer a todos que acreditam no meu trabalho. Em Salvador mesmo tem uma pessoa chamada Ione Santos, que acredita tanto em mim, que ela que patrocina do dinheiro dela o meu trabalho percussivo para o Bom Fim, que é a banda do Mestre Memeu. Ele é também muito agradecido, porque muitas pessoas no Bahia também acreditam mais em ele. E há essa pessoa que ele apenas chamou, Ione Santos, que acreditou muito que ela basicamente the project of a Banda Mestre Memeu when they go to the Lavagem do Bonfim. I don't mm. know if you guys have heard about that, the Lavagem yeah. do Bonfim is in Bahia, mm -hmm. where right. all the groups come out and play. It's a big party. So he is grateful of everybody, basically. And he's more than happy to keep Samba Hague, the original Samba Hague, live and be able to share it with everyone. And also, he, he, also, he also had that He, he, he's very honest and he likes to be working with honest people too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. you know, no, when, when you do some, some workshops here and there, you could go through some situations, right? He was telling me about it because he's been here almost, he's going to be here for 13 days. He's leaving on Thursday. So we had, we got a lot to talk. I've been hanging out with him every day. So I, I've been picking his brain and, Asking all the same questions you guys asked, you know, like <laughs> everything else I wanted to know as much as I could, right? So he told, he told me something about somebody inviting him for a workshop, and he went there, he did a job, and when he was leaving in the airport waiting for the money, the guy never paid him. <sighs> yeah, and it took him a long time, almost a year, to be able to get that money. Wow. Wow. Yeah, so he, he also said, you know, when, when I connect with him and I was telling him, you're going to come here and we're going to pay you this much and there's this event, there's this event, we're going to try to get something extra so you can take something else home and all that. He said he believed, he, he was he like, he believed in me, even though we, we never met before. Eh? It was always through Facebook where we were talking. 
Mm-hmm. We were been talking for like two years through Facebook until this actually happened to to bring him down here. And he say, "I believe in your word. You sound like an honest guy. I will I will mm-hmm. take the risk." But sometimes it's really hard to to do that, right? Because you you basically live in your house, you live in your country, and you don't know what to expect because you don't know the person who is in the other side. Right. Yeah, I wanted to ask you, Pata, what what it ha- has it been like? this past couple of weeks having him there wow. what has it meant for you uh it's been a dream coming coming true because mm-hmm. i grew up watching olodun mm-hmm. right i grew up watching all those block offers in brazil you know as a kid all i wanted to do like i remember being a kid and, and knowing that that point that i was gonna be one of them i'm gonna be one drama too and at some point i'm gonna have my band and all that that's all i could think about <laughs> when i watched mm-hmm. Olodun, so have having the the real foundation here by my side <laughs> all this time it's crazy it must be man. amazing it's amazing, yeah it's an amazing experience it's like you know some other people ask me the same question and let's say it's like an, an artist get to med you know banksy you know some something like that like some, right. somebody big that you really admire right so for me it's been a crazy and amazing experience <laughs> i never thought I would share a stage with, with Master Mimil. And the way we did it also, it was just unbelievable. It was just out of this world. I, as soon as I can, I will send you guys the videos. What we oh, did. yeah. Because Definitely. It was, it was just out of this. For me, it was my best show ever in my life. Oh, wonderful. With, Must with, be inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. And then it helps also to bring, you know, the vibe of the people in the group all hype up everybody's super excited like we hear so the band plays better you know everybody put an extra effort to be able to to not disappoint the, the real foundation uh-huh. of the beats that i'm teaching here right so it's been amazing it's been amazing and when i connect with marco i don't know if you guys knew this but when we connect i was i was for a week in vancouver and i messaged them and I ended up doing a workshop with them, right? Oh, cool. And yeah, I did a workshop with Black Energia, and we connect. And I really like Marco. I really like the people that I, I, I got to meet there. They were really cool with me. And when I knew I had come the confirmation 100% of a massive email, I said, you know what? I'm going to invite Marco down here. Nice. He treat me nice. And that's how I am. That, that I am like that, like Messi, you know, like honest people and all we want to do is spread the, the culture that we grew up listening to. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, please send us links to um, what you guys have been working on recently and um, Mestri Mamel, please send us any links of things you want us to put up on our website for you and, and links to uh, Facebook pages or any, any of that. Any of the uh, upcoming uh, workshops or anything like that. Yeah, we'll put it all up or any world travels we can um we can advertise on our Facebook page. We have we're connected to a lot of people here. So and speaking of that, we gotta get you to Brazil camp, California <laughs> Brazil camp. That would be awesome. Both, both be of you awesome. guys, yeah. yeah. That would be awesome, man. I was just telling Marco they've been running around for twenty years. I can't believe my mail hasn't been there yet. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. But hopefully we can make the connection, right? Yes, it would be, be fun to be able to, you know, open the doors more for him in North America because a lot of the masters in Bahia go to Europe. Everything right. Everything happening in Europe. 
And we also got a, something going on here in North America. You know, we just need to be more like, like he's saying, we need to be more united, right? We need to connect more with other people and be able to, to put together because at the end of the day, we are doing the same thing. We're playing music. Yes. And we do it because we love it, right? That's exactly why we do this podcast right. to try to bring the communities together to learn about each other and to just to know more about each other. Make the to spread information. Yeah, make the yeah, but, community smaller. I, actually. Anybody, <laughs> people are listening there, you know, I'm in Toronto. I'm not too far. It's easier for me to travel. Master is all the way in, in Bahia, but it's also easy to get one person down there in, instead of 20 people, right? Like a whole group. It's almost impossible. When you get only one person, it's, it's, it's a little bit easier to mm-hmm. make it happen, right? So anytime, if you anybody that is listening, you, you would like to invite Master Memeo to the States, uh, we have the connection. We can make it happen. You can contact me or you can contact Marco and Marco can let me know. We can do a whole thing. You know, we tried, we've been talking a lot. The people from Cleveland is also interested to do something. So maybe next year we can build a little tour. What yes. I, what I can let us know. Yeah, where yeah. I can bring him down here first. Maybe mm-hmm. go to Montreal and then can go to Vancouver. And from Vancouver, he can jump to Seattle, Portland, and maybe other places to, you know, with the time, if it's proper plan, we can we can get something really good going. You could, yeah, we could give him a whole West Coast tour. <laughs> he would, yeah, a lot yeah, of for sure. A lot of groups up and down the coast that would be interested in having him. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that the Europe has the scene for Brazilian music and community groups and and all of this has been going for a lot a longer lot, yeah. than it has here. They're much more mature and there's a lot more knowledge and interest. And I don't know if that has to do with the United States having more closed borders and not letting as many Brazilians in or or. I mean, the teachers, but also just people coming to live and just getting exposure to the culture. But anyway, we're that's one reason why we're doing this podcast is to try to get the message out. So thank you so much. We will get all of your contact information and we'll spam the Facebook with it and put it all over our website <laughs> and all over our social media. So thank you so much. I thank you guys to, you know, give us the time to talk about a little bit of the history of Samba Reggae and give some prime time to Master Memeo too. So people would know who he is, you know, what he has done for the Brazilian music and for the Ache music in Bahia too, right? Right. He basically changed the music in Salvador, right, with the samba reggae thing that comes out to all over the world. Like, exactly. He's right. in love with that all over the world. Same with the samba and same with the maracatu. Our culture is spreading a lot. Mm-hmm. There's all, every time there's more people interested too, so... Thank you so much for everything. I want to give thanks to Marco too because he was the main guy who made the connection, right? So we got to meet through online, mm-hmm. not in person yet, but hopefully one, soon one day. I will be able to meet you guys. And yeah, hopefully, yes, it'll happen. So, Mestri Mamel, obrigada, muito obrigada. Obrigada, Mestri. Obrigada a vocês. <laughs> Wow, so grateful to have opportunities like that. So we're glad to bring you that interview with Mestri Mameo. Um, On a personal note, I was having uh, some technical difficulties that evening. So I was in and out of the conversation, couldn't hear part of it when it was happening. So I apologize 
to both Pato and uh, Mestri Mameo and Courtney as well for uh, having those difficulties. So I might not be as present in that one, but uh, I was listening when I could. So I'm really anxious to listen to this when it comes out as well. So uh, if you are looking for any links, any workshops with Mestri Mameo that might be coming up, go to our face or go to our Facebook page, but as well as um, our website. Uh, we'll post all the links um, to his his social media postings, videos for him. So just check out our website, uh, www.thebrazilianbeat.com. We've got a couple of shout-outs. Um, once again, we'd like to give a shout-out to Patu, who was really instrumental in bringing um, Mestre Mameo to um, Toronto. And I know it was a very big big deal for him so shout out to him and good job also a big shout out to marco castrucci from blocko energia from vancouver for setting this up Um, we love that our listeners and past guests help facilitate these kinds of opportunities marco was a guest episode number 21 so listen to that if you haven't uh, heard it heard that one yet also, a shout out to Alex Bordokas, also in Toronto. He was episode 20. And Alex actually was, I believe, producing the event where uh, Mestre Memeo performed. So, big shout out to him for all the wonderful events he's helping create in Toronto. Um, and he's also a great source whenever I have questions about all kinds of stuff. So, thank you, Alex. Another shout out to Marco Santos, episode 15, who's also another great resource. Um, You know, we have questions about guests or we want to get their perspective, what kind of questions um, that, you know, Courtney and I may not think of. So Marcos is another good resource um, and we appreciate it. And hey, Marcos, have you listened to your episode yet? Just just asking. (laughs) Um, So everybody... Just thank you for following us on Facebook, Instagram, on um, Apple Podcasts. Um, post post stuff for us. Post your videos. Post your audios, audio files. Um, we'd love to hear from you. We haven't been as, a, as active because this is a busy season, as everybody knows, uh, with performance and rehearsals and whatnot. So we know we're a little behind. But, um, you know, if you have some favorite videos you enjoy, some new music you like, um, hey, send it our way. We'll post it. Um, Speaking of Apple Podcasts, why don't you go ahead and rate us on that? If you enjoy this podcast, we'd love to hear um, your thoughts, um, many suggestions. So give us a five-star rating if you feel fit to do that. Um, or see fit to do that. Sorry. Um, if you'd like to reach us, you can reach us on our email, thebrazilianbeat at gmail.com. We're also on Twitter. We're also on Twitter, the Brazilian Beat One. On Facebook, we are the Brazilian Beat Podcast. We are also on Instagram. So we're all over the place. You can find us out there. If you'd like to listen to us other than on our website, you can stream us on. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, Google Play, Player FM, and maybe there's another one out there. Oh, I think there is. I think we're on TuneIn now. Um, I think we just added that. So 
Check us out on TuneIn. And I may be wrong, but I believe that's right. Um, thank you so much for listening. We really enjoy having these kinds of conversations um, with the messages um, that are the direct source, you know. So keep listening. We'll have more. Ciao.